All right, take your Bible. Turn to 1 John chapter 4 in verse 1. I want to talk to you about be not deceived. You hate it when people lie to you? You hate it when somebody takes advantage of you? <laughs> it's a way of life today. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Now, why does he say spirit? Why didn't he say, believe not every preacher, which is also a good thing for you to do, is not believe them all. Uh, why doesn't it say, believe not every man or every woman or every politician? Why does he say spirit? The answer is because there are spirits behind people. And they don't even know. They've gotten so used to lying, they don't even know they're a puppet being used and, and being a mouthpiece for the devil. Now, what we've got here is uh, we're told that we're not supposed to believe everything we hear. Um, let's, uh, uh, I want you to go to um, Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to do some scriptures here this morning, and then we're going to settle in Matthew. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6. We actually are commanded to not be deceived. In Ephesians 5, 6, we're going to run through about five different scriptures here. Ephesians 5 and verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. You know what vain words are? They're words that make you feel good. Vanity. Vain words are words that worry about somebody who comes up and says, boy, you're looking great today. And you go, what, is you, what does he want? Those are vain words. Um, so... Uh, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You better not be with the wrong crowd. That's the statement. Uh, Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4. It is our responsibility to not allow people to deceive us. You ever think about that? Well, pastor, you're supposed to protect me. Oh, I'd do my best to. I'm a shepherd who's going to protect my flock. But the flock better wise up and not eat all the poison grass. You're not sheep. You're grown men and women, most of you. <laughs> some of you still got some ways to go. And you've got to learn what is poison and what's right. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 says this. Matthew 24, 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So who ought to be pulling the wool over you? Who ought to be tricking you? Nobody. Uh, verse 5, for many shall come in my name. There's religion. Many shall come in my name saying, oh, I am Christ, and shall deceive. What's the saddest word in that, that verse? Many. They will hustle Many go to go to verse 11, still in chapter 24, verse 11. And many that word is throughout this chapter. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. You know, what we believe does not come from dreams or visions or feelings or emotions or voices or miracles. And especially it doesn't come from what we find on YouTube and televangelists. Everything we believe comes from one book, the Bible. Because if you start following your emotions or you start following dreams or you start following, 
you know, I saw a cloud in my room last night. You're hooked on a demonic spirit that will take you for a ride. And it will deceive you. I will stay with the Bible. That's the Christian motto. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 in verse 14. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says that henceforth we are to be no more children tossed to and fro, thrown back and forth, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. That's a good old word. Magicians use the sleight of hand. You ever hear that phrase? Sleight of hand means his, you know, his hand is quicker than the eye. And people are out there using the sleight of, 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 uh, of uh, deception, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait. They live to deceive. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's amazing how many times we are told not to be deceived. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 to the right in verse 13. Guess where we're at? We're at the end of days. I mean, this, this world, this, this time frame that we're in is about to wrap up. And I can tell you how I know that. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 13. Evil men and what's the next word? Say it real loud. Seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and even themselves being deceived. You know, I know a lot of people got into politics thinking they were going to help out and they turned out being a puppet. And they were themselves deceived. I know a lot of people got into the priesthood thinking they were going to help people out. And they not only deceive now, but they are deceived. There are countless numbers of people who had a good heart. And yet right now they're not, they're deceiving and they're being deceived. Don't join them. Don't join them. You see, the problem is many Christians are unaware of what's going on around them and they don't even know what's going on in them. Christians this morning are sitting in churches across this nation and they're being lied to. They're being manipulated. They're being deceived and they're thinking they're just fine. Now, I hope by the time you come to this church enough, you start to find out, you know, I, I kind of get uncomfortable in church. Amen. Because it's not my job to make you comfortable. There are people that are, are, are lied to by their religious leaders. They're lied to by their political leaders into thinking they're just fine, that they're, just, they're, they're okay with God. They're being taught in churches this morning that there is no hell, that the devil isn't real, that we all just evolved out of some ancient soup a couple of billion years ago. That's in churches. Where'd they get that from? I'll show you here in just a minute. They are, uh, they're deceived. Where'd they get that from? Well, got it from their shepherds. Go to Jeremiah chapter 50. Jeremiah, you go to Matthew and go left. <laughs> You'll find Isaiah. Next book is Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 6. I want to scare you this morning. I want to wake you up so that you're very careful about what you listen to and about what you believe simply because everybody else believes it. You know, there are people right now who grew up believing a political party and they're Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin, uh, the Greens, and they've always been that way and they've never looked at the platform and gone, oh, that's not a Christian at all. Don't just believe and do what everybody else is doing. 
Jeremiah 50 in verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. This is God talking. Their shepherds, you ought to underline those words, have caused them to go where? What a shame that shepherds, pastors, priests, religious leaders, people who are supposed to care for souls are the ones that are leading them astray. Go to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. Acts 20 in verse 29. <clears throat> Acts 20, 29. For I know this, this is the Apostle Paul talking to a bunch of pastors of a, of a big church over in Ephesus. He says, I know this, that after my departing shall, what does he call the next crew, crew that was coming in? Grievous wolves. You ever been grieved? Grieve is the grievous wolves, meaning at the sight of them and at their work, they will cause you only grief, no joy. Grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. When a wolf shows up in the flock, is he there just to have fellowship? He's there to have dinner. And there are people who come into churches and take the, ultimately take positions of authority and they don't care about the souls of the people listen to they're there for a dinner they're there it says not sparing the flock verse 30 and paul even says to the men that he's speaking to he says of your own selves shall men arise from among you speaking perverse things there are churches in Ireland right now who have a huge rainbow over the outside of their church saying, we welcome everybody. And you know what they mean. Our church doesn't discriminate. And they act so better than everybody else in the world. They, they preach perverted things. Child, uh, speaking perverse things, and all they want to do is draw away disciples after them. Doesn't that scare you? I wish I could wake you up this morning and motivate you to be careful about what you're listening to and what you're believing. Because every new winter doctrine, I mean, every year, it used to be about every decade a new doctrine would come in. Now it's about every 60 days. Not only, not only are people deceived by their shepherds, they're deceived by their own hearts. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah, in the middle of your Bible, is Psalms, go to the right, find that book, Jeremiah, chapter 17. This is one of the top 10 scriptures you ought to have memorized. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is what? Is deceitful above what? above everything else you know I'm, I'll, I'll tell tell my wife she'll ask me she says what does the weather look like out there and i says it's beautiful she says oh it must be warm i says no there's snow on the ground <laughs> you know things can deceive you you gotta you gotta look at all the others what's the temperature what's the wind what's the weather going to be so on and so forth just seeing stuff you got you, your heart will deceive you into thinking oh it's going to be a fine warm day the Bible says there in 17.9, the heart is deceitful above everything else and is what kind of wicked? Desperately wicked. 
And you didn't know how bad you could be until you read the Bible and you find out that David, man after God's own heart, goes out and sleeps with another man's wife and then has and, and then covers it up and, and, and lies about it and then has his her husband murdered. You have, you have no idea what's in your heart till you find out what's in the best of the best hearts. People dream up stuff every day. Man, it's wacko. And then they go off and they make a YouTube about it. <laughs> That's the day. Uh, don't follow your heart. And people are deceived thoroughly by the demonic spirits that are full of, that are filled, that have filled up this modern world. Luke chapter nine, Luke chapter nine. See, I'm a Christian. There's no way the devil ever deceived me. Really, ask Demas. Demas left the ministry, left Christianity, loved, left the apostle Paul, having loved this present world. He's just as saved as you and I are. What got to him? Go to Luke chapter nine. In verse 54. Now, this is the situation. They're going through an area that's kind of no man's land. The Jews aren't supposed to be in Samaria, and Jesus always went through Samaria. He, he loved everybody, and he gave them the gospel. And as he went through there, there was a day that they didn't want him there. And watch what it says, verse 54, when the disciples, James and John, these are the pinnacle of disciples, when they saw the way that the Samaritans treated them, they said, Lord, if thou, that, uh, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from him? Do you want us to pray for God to burn these people up and consume them even as Elias did? But he, Jesus, turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of, what's the word? Spirit, you're of. You didn't know where you got that thought. You, 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 you don't even know where that thought came from. I love how he says, he says, verse 58, he says, uh, verse 56, for the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And he just went on to another village. Um, you know, uh, there are, the, the Bible says, believe not every spirit, which means sometimes it may be something you can tell and sometimes you can't tell because it's spiritual, it's, it's invisible. And there's a way to test that, and I want to help you with that this morning. Because if you've got the wrong spirit, it will lead you to hell. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Hmm. I've known this. Can I share with you? You can be around somebody, and as long as you're talking about, you know, court versus temporary, or if you're talking, you know, about covid uh, if you talk about, I mean, people talk forever. You bring up about something about Jesus Christ and their need to be born again, and a spirit takes over. You ever notice that? It's like, where's that spirit come from? Matthew chapter 7. Well, it's the spirit of this age and this world. Verse 13. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Straight means narrow, hard to get through. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And what's the next word we saw over and over? Many there be which go in thereat. So the many, verse 14, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. So you tell me, is it many or few that are deceived? It's many. And my, my challenge, my goal, every time I preach, I want to make sure you're not one of them. 
So let me ask, let me answer the question, why are there so many deceived people? Matthew chapter 24, we read this, but Matthew 24 again in verse 11. Why are so many people deceived? Well, because of their influences. Because there are many false prophets. We read that in 1 John chapter 4. It says, for many false prophets are gone out into the world. And there are many. Look at verse 24. Of, uh, chapter 24, verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. That's a warning from Jesus Christ. As we get closer to the end of the age, more and more false religions, false prophets are just going to go everywhere. Look back to chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going back and forth this morning, I know. It's good for you. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you. How are they dressed? What do they look like? They look just like you do. I mean, you're a sheep. Oh, what does the wolf come in? He goes, <laughs> and, and he looks just like you want him to. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening, ravenous wolves. Now, these are not harmless people. They are deadly. These are people that destroy. Um, let me read for you. Uh, I want you, I've got to get to some things. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy. Every one of these scriptures, I thought and thought, which ones can I get rid of? And I can't easily get rid of some of these scriptures. First Timothy chapter 4. Back to the right, 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1. Show you something that's just sad. 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1. Now the Spirit, is that a little S Spirit or a big S? It's the Holy Spirit. Now God's Holy Spirit speaketh expressly, you know, that's, that's emphatically, that in the latter times, some Christians are going to depart from the faith and they'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking. This is what these false prophets do. They speak lies in hypocrisy, like a politician. They make one rule for one group, but not for themselves. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They have no qualms about it. They don't care whether they're telling a lie. They have no conscience. There are many prophets false prophets who take money by the millions and they, they 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 call it the prosperity gospel which is not a gospel folks there's so much money in religion do you understand that there is so you can make so much money in two great op, uh, occupations politics and religion you always wonder about these people who who get into politics find out 10 years after they've quit politics, how much money they got in the bank. And it'll, it'll scare you. It'll make you go, why did we vote for these guys? They aren't in there because they care about people. They think they are. But by the time they're finished, they've got so much money lying in their pockets. They're living in the best houses. They are, they've got armed security around them, saying they're under threat, all this stuff. Some of them are, but they make the money, folks. And the second group are preachers and false prophets, and prosperity gospel leaders. You ever hear a guy named Benny Hinn? Paula White? Creflo Dollar? Joel Osteen? Kenneth Copeland? 
You do know these people teach the most twisted and perverted gospel that makes Jesus into a bank. That's what they teach. They teach, oh, Jesus is there to bless you. No, he's not. He's here to save you. But to them, no, Jesus is the bank. You just go up every time you pray. You just go to the ATM and take out what you need. That's not the gospel. Let me show you just three quick. This is two minutes, three clips. See, Jesus was man until God touched him and put the spirit of the living God on the inside of him. And that's encouraging today. I'm going to say to you right now, you are God's, little g. You are God's because you came from God, and you are God's. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. The real me is just like God. I now come into a priestly anointing. Jesus is not the only begotten on. Son of God. He is not. I'm a son of he's God. He's the first fruit. You, you're the, he's the first fruit. He's the first born of many. Jesus is not the only begotten on. Son of God. I seem to remember reading, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's just two minutes, not even two minutes. I could show you two hours of heresy after heresy after heresy. And I'll give you one guess. Which church is fuller? The one that sticks with the Bible or the one that follows them? Many are deceived. There are many false prophets. Secondly, people are good at faking their spirituality. Back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And that thy name have cast out devils, and that thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. It's not that they lost their salvation. They never had it. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They were never repentant. They were never broken over their sins. They never believed on Jesus Christ. But oh, could they talk a good story. They could, they could talk. Till the cows come home. They could do miracles. They could tell the future. But Jesus said, you didn't get it from me. You know, the devil's a miracle worker. You do know that, don't you? You know, the devil knows the future. So all these people who are sitting there, oh, I got a revelation. You didn't get nothing, not from God. People are good at faking spirituality. It's not real. And then people don't like the Jesus of the Bible. That's where it's going to hurt this morning. See, the real Jesus doesn't work fast enough for people. Do you ever notice that? You know, I've prayed and God hasn't answered my prayer. And so somebody comes along and says, oh, I've got a different Jesus you can pray to. Or why don't you try St. Anthony? Or St. Christopher, you know, if you lose stuff. Uh, a lot of people don't like the Jesus of the Bible because he doesn't do what they want him to. You know, God, I prayed for... I paid for a promotion and I got fired. 
you know, people don't like the Jesus of the Bible. They don't like a Jesus who will let them go through hard times. Guess what? The Lord did not say, when I save you, I'm going to make your life wonderful. That's what Joel Osteen teaches. You know, when you follow Jesus Christ, guess where you're going? Into battle. You're going to the spiritual warfare. And there's, there's um, affliction there. There's hardness there. Endure it. People don't like Jesus because guess what Jesus expects? Us to be different. All my life growing up, I wanted to be just like my friends. I wanted to look like them. I wanted to talk like them. I wanted to be where they were. And then Jesus Christ saved me at 17, and I had to come out from among them. It's the Bible commands. I had to get my hair cut. You don't realize it, but I had long hair, and I, I thought I was my own man. No, all my friends had long hair, and I just wanted to be like them. Then I asked my pastor, can I join the choir? And he looked at me. He didn't even look at me. I think he was getting ready to start the choir because he was leading the choir. He didn't look at me. He says, when did you get your hair cut? <laughs> and you know what? I didn't get offended. I didn't storm out of there. That legalistic pastor. <laughs> you know what I said? I'm getting my hair cut because I want to learn to sing. I wanted to be in the choir. I went and I sat down in that chair at that barbershop. I hadn't been to a barbershop in about 10 years. And the last barbershop was my mom, and it was a bowl over the head that she used to cut my hair. And I sat down, and he says, okay, what do you want? I says, I want a short haircut. <laughs> and boy, he brought out the clever, Zzz! oh, man, it was a scary feeling in the world. And I went outside. It was a June day, man, June or July. I don't remember. It was a crazy. And I, I felt cold because I was feeling my ears for the first time in about 10 years. I'm just telling you that. I, I didn't mind the call to be different because that's my Jesus. He says, follow me. Don't follow the world. Follow Jesus. People don't like the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, so my job is to help you test everything. Put things on trial. What you hear, you need to be able to say, is that right? What you believe, you need to be able to test. Is that right? Is it biblical? What you think, that's the last thing we think about. I mean, it's kind of stupid. Have you thought about what you're thinking? <laughs> but that's the Christian's responsibility because not everything that's going along inside the marbles of your head came from God. Think about what you're thinking and you need to put to the test what you feel. No matter who's teaching, no matter, you know, a lot of people, they go to these seminars because there's a successful business person who's teaching about how to make their first million by the time they're 30 years old. And they go to listen to somebody because of the success. Don't do that. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17 and verse 10. Acts 17 verse 10. Paul's kind of not welcome in certain areas. <laughs> He's, he has to flee out of Thessalonica. In verse 10, it says, And the brethren that were there, they immediately set away Paul and Silas by night unto a nearby town called Berea, 1711, who coming thither, they went right into the synagogue of the Jews, right into the lion's den, right to people who did not like Jesus. In verse 11, now these people in that synagogue, they were more noble 
than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They're ready to receive whatever God said. And they searched what? The newspapers, right? Oh, I forgot. No, Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Everybody searches on their phone. I mean, before you order food, you do a search real quick to find out is there something else, you know, some other restaurant new or whatever. Look where they searched. I lost my voice. My, my, verse 11, thanks. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness in mind. They searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So the great apostle Paul would come and he'd stand up and he'd begin to read the scripture and he'd begin to speak and everybody going, slow down, slow down. Where's that? What verse? Let me see it with my own eyes. And that's a good church. That'll get people saved. Just because you come to church, oh, I had this warm, fuzzy, electric feeling up and down my neck and my back and I just knew Jesus was there. No. Maybe you're at the chiropractor, but you weren't at church. My job is to teach you how to put things on trial and to get you to compare it whether it's true or not. Go to Matthew 7. We're finally going to get to where we're going to stay. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16. You know, where do you go looking for fruit? And, and people go looking for truth and truth and fruit and all the craziest places. Jesus says the extreme. He says here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. We read verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. 7.15. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Watch what he says. You can't gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So the next time you see a, a thistle bush, it's unnatural for you to go looking in there to go look for grapes. You know there's no fruit in there. Same thing is true, a thistle bush, I mean, a, a thorn bush. You know there's no reason to go looking for any figs in there, Jesus is saying. It's just, he's making an extreme, obvious statement. He says, so also is it with being able to tell that you're watching some YouTube and you realize this is just thistles. There's no truth in there. These are just thorns. There's no truth in there. You being you're sitting in some church, and that minister, whether he, now they got women preachers everywhere, and that getting up there and saying, God, God loves everybody, and everybody's going to heaven. You find you go around and you go, I'm in a thistle bush. There's no truth here at all. There's no fruit here at all. Truth is, you can't get truth from a liar. So Simple ways of how to test everything. Give you five real quick points and then some scripture and uh, hopefully be a blessing to you. There in Matthew chapter 7, look in verse 15. I'll say it again. It says this. Beware of that next word. What's that next word? Okay. How am I going to know if something is true or false? Something's real and unreal. How am I going to know that? Watch what he says down there in verse 24. Therefore. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I'll like him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So when he says beware of false prophets, he says you ought to be able to know whether they're false or not. You need to be aware, have your eyes open, aware of lies, deception, and of, now I see where this is going. Um, you know, you don't, 
folks, let me just be real plain. You don't have to wait until you're 70 years old to start to get spiritually minded and start thinking through. You can do it at 15. You can start looking and going, you know what? When my teacher gets up there and says that we're all evolved and that there's no gender, you can be male or female or whatever you want today. That kid needs to have the ability to go, she's a liar. Now, you don't go up to her and tell her that to her face. But you need to be able to say, I'm in the midst of a thorn bush. So Jesus said, know my sayings. You know, this is the most important thing that you could. If you only do this one thing, you're on your way. Read your Bible. If you want to be able to tell false versus true, real versus fake, it may be in the news. It may be on YouTube. It may be in church. You can tell, pastor is wrong. How are you going to be able to do that? Because you know what Jesus said. End of story. Now, very few churches equip the people to point out a flaw in the pastor. But this church does. Read this Bible. Every word on every page from start to finish. Why? So that you don't get deceived. And all the time, Christians hear some fancy smooth-talking preacher or go to some smooth-talking church or listen to some convincing YouTube video, and they're mesmerized and they're gone. I always wonder about Christians who used to come to church and used to enjoy the fellowship, and now they're sitting at home watching a YouTube when the Bible says, don't forsake assembling. And you know, oh, I'm a Bible believer now. Pastor was wrong. Of course I'm wrong, but the book's right. And the book says, get together and love one another. The book says, keep each other sharp, sharpen one another. But we do it based on what Jesus said. Second reason is so that you can compare what someone says or even what you feel by what the Bible says. Go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah 8. Isaiah 8 and verse 20. It's like a command to go. Verse 20 says, to the law, to the testimony. If they, any preacher, any politician, anybody, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in him. It's because they're lost. There's no truth in them. So the main purpose of the Bible is to have something we can measure and test what we hear and what we feel by. Uh, you need an anchor, folks. That's why I make the Bible a big deal here. Not music, not fellowship, not your feelings, because any church can play great music. Any church can cook good food. Any organization can speak from a lectern. Only a Bible preaching church invites you to test what you hear with the Bible. That's why we have the Bible. Know what Jesus said. Test everything by what he said. Secondly, don't go by fears. Look back there in Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 25. Now Jesus is telling a, a parable, a story that has a very important lesson, and it's got all kinds of applications, but I want you to see something here in verse 25. Remember, he said in verse 24, Whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, a smart man 
which built his house upon a rock foundation. Verse 25, watch what he says. And the rain descended, huh? and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. How many have ever been in a storm where the wind was just rattling the windows? And I mean, then the, the trees were like they were going to come out of their, uh, come out of the ground in the shaking of that house. I've been in, my great-grandmother lived in what were they called Tornado Alley up in northern Texas in the Panhandle. We were there during a tornado. It was one of these, a storm came in, nobody predicted it. We didn't have the weather like they do today, which is not much better. But, and my great-grandma, where I get my name, her name was Grandma Craig, great-grandma Craig. We had to run down to the basement and we got down there and we're looking through this little slit of a window that that had that was very thick. It was a special kind of window there. And we're down there, doors are shut. We're sitting there, we look out and the sky gets dark and the wind blows and that house, I mean, it made me think of, uh, what's her name that went to Wizard of Oz, you know? And I'm sitting there going, we're gonna die. I must have been seven years old, I don't know, but I thought it was still cool. <laughs> and all of a sudden, phew, it was done. So she said, okay, let's go see what damage happened. Okay. We go outside, the house is fine, but across the street, a secondary school, the roof was gone. It had missed us just by about 50 feet. But our house was rattled. What's my point? This man's house was rattled. The wind, the flood, the rains beat on that house. And what does it say? It stayed standing. Um, I've got my point here. Verse 26, I want you to see the second builder. Verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Now, when you, if you were to look at both houses, they both were fine-looking, solid, well-built homes. The only difference was the foundation. One was a rock. We call it cement. And the other one was sand. Now watch what happens. In um, uh, verse 27, and the same rain descended, same floods came, the same winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. What an incredible. That second builder evidently felt very good about his house. Would you agree? He sat down and he said, oh, that guy's spending so much money on his foundation. I'm going to build it right here. I want to be on the beach. I want to have the view. I want to have the wind in my face every morning when I wake up. And so how has he decided how he's going to build his life? By his feelings. And I believe as he stood outside on that porch one day and he looked out and he looked at the other guy up there on the hill on that rocky cove there, out, out of the way, didn't have the good of the view. He looked out and he felt smug and he says, I have a better house. And then the wind comes and the storm comes and it only looked better, didn't it? See, he only lived to do things based on feelings. In the end, he lost everything. Don't go by your experiences, folks. Don't go by how, you know what? I, my house looks better. My house, what I'm doing, you know, you Christians, you, 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 you take all this time for God. I'm just going to take time for me. People who take time for them die early. Take time who live for God. The Bible says you'll live a long life. Oh, that, that's not guaranteed. 
But those who do things God's way are usually blessed by God. And you'll have a much better life than those who live only for themselves. They're the ones that have stress like you have no idea. They live on pills and on bottles of alcohol. They can't cope with problems. You can cope because you've got the Holy Spirit. Don't you compare yourself with somebody else who's got a better house or a better life or better dogs. Don't look at jobs. Don't look at, at, at uh, um, anything and go, well, you know, I'm trying to do everything. I read my Bible and they're watching Netflix. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, making time to hand out a gospel track and I'm getting fired for it. And they're never opening their mouth. Don't you compare with anybody because your house will stand. Amen. So don't you go by your fears? Isn't that what the world has done for the last two years? I'm all for, I mean, there's a disaster emergency. Let's stop. Let's evaluate. But after some time, we need to be able to say, let's get back to life. That's where we're at, folks. The devil capitalizes on how you feel. He does not care what's true. He will get you to doubt what is true and only focus on what you feel if you give him the credit. If people feel like coming to church, guess where they'll be? Oh, there'll be a church. But you know why most people don't come to church? What did I say? Why most people? I'm not talking about people who have to work. I'm talking about why most people don't come to church. Because they don't feel like it, brother. I just don't feel like going. If they don't feel like getting a job, they'll never go looking. You know what I say? Cut off the welfare. They'll feel like getting a job. <laughs> Amen. People don't. If people feel like working on their marriage, oh, they'll put their effort into it. But if they go, I just don't feel like it anymore, it's over. Feelings are king today. It's not supposed to be that way. We have the most offended generation ever, by the way. And I'm supposed to offend people. That is my job. Preachers are supposed to upset people. It's not the job of an entertainer. There's some entertainer over there in America getting all kind of flack because he's making people laugh and he's saying things that oh, you can't, you're offending people. I go, now, I have no interest in him. I have no, but the point is they don't want anybody to offend anybody. You know what? It's my job to offend. It's the job of this Bible-leaving pastor who's supposed to get you upset enough to make you think. Make you go, oh, I'm so mad at him. I'm going to go and prove him wrong. Amen. You know, Lee Strobel was an atheist, and he said, I'm going to prove that Jesus didn't exist. He became a believer, and he wrote some of the best books, um, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, written by Josh McDowell, written because he tried to disprove, and he came out being a believer. Folks, I hope I make you mad enough that you will find out the truth. Some people, if they feel like I'm offending them, they think, you preached about me. <laughs> you know, when I sat in church, that first year I got saved, I thought every message, he had me on his target list. I sat there and I said, that is unfair. <laughs> How does he know? <laughs> Man, but if people feel like I'm just, you're just aggravating me, Pastor. You're like, you're like sandpaper. I know. And you find them switched off. You find them walking away. I don't like that. I'd much rather be your friend. But I'm not called to be your friend. If I just came and I did everything that, that, that would make you feel better after you came here, say, Pastor Craig just makes me feel good. I'm preparing you on a comfortable ride to hell. That's all I'm doing. Is that what you want? 
Last thing you need is a pastor or a politician buttering you up with a lie just before he takes your money and walks away and you lose everything. That's what every one of our politicians have done. They've come to our doors and lied to us. Oh, we believe in, in, in the sanctity of marriage. Liar. Abortion won't come into Ireland. Liar. They say what we want them to say. When are we going to wise up and go, we need to hold them to the fire? Paul said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I wish we had some real reporters. Some of you young people need to decide, I'm going to be a reporter. I'm not going to work for the paper. I'm not going to work for the government. I'm going to go find the truth. And I'll say it. And you know what? I'll buy your paper. If you'll go and look for the truth, if you'll expose it, if you'll look. They, there's no reporters anymore. Somebody did a, a, a montage of about 40 different television stations, all, and they all said the same thing. Every night, they said the same thing. They weren't reporting. They were puppeting. Second thing, third thing, keep things simple. If you want to test stuff, you need to keep things simple. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I love this scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. But I fear, this was Paul's greatest fear for God's people. He says, lest by any means, and believe the devil will use any means at his disposal, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve back there in the Garden of Eden through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Would you keep it simple? You say, I don't understand all of the things um, about end times. I don't understand all the things about the, tr the Trinity. I, don't, I just understand Jesus died for me and rose again and loves me and wants me with him. And everything I learn in there, I learn step by step. I don't make huge jumps and leaps and trying to become a theologian overnight. Keep your faith simple. I'm just going to quote to you. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, it says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Don't be caught up in them, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats, not with things that you have to really ponder, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Keep your Christianity simple, folks. I mean, I try to teach you the whole counsel of God, but in the end, I can't compete with all the stuff you've watched all week long. I'm not even going to try to answer all of it. I'm going to try to just stay simple and in the book. Amen? Keep your faith simple. You get down on your knees and you say, Lord, I understand what I'm going through, but I know one thing. You're going with me. <laughs> That's it. Keep it simple. Focus on God's grace, on Jesus, and the simplicity of the gospel. You know why most people don't give the gospel out? Because they're, they're, they're thinking it's so complicated. It ain't complicated. It ain't. And look at Romans 16. Romans 16. Back to the left. Romans chapter 16. In verse 19. 16, 19. Romans 16, 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. Everybody knows about how you're following Jesus. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but 
yet I would have you wise. 19, 16, 19. I want you to be wise unto that which is good. And what's the next three words? Simple concerning evil. What a shocker. You and I are supposed to be very, very well learned about good things and true things, but you're supposed to be a simpleton. You're supposed to be stupid about all the filth and the vile and the dark things going on in this world. They have five-year-olds that are teaching about stuff that I didn't learn until I was 16. There are teenagers who, who've been uh, and, and college students who go to classes that the entire semester they're doing gender identity studies. They're telling children as young as five and four years old that it's okay to have two mommies or two daddies. You know what the Bible says? That belongs nowhere near children. Doesn't even need to be in our vocabulary. Be simple toward those things which are evil. I don't even want to know what people are doing. It's a shame to talk about them. Filter what you hear. Some of the stuff that comes on YouTube, some of the stuff that you're watching, you go, you know, that kind of, I watch that thing and it, and it just makes me feel dirty. Shut it off. Filter it. We have a water filter in our house. Balancolic waters were pretty good up until recently. So we bought a water filter. The difference is incredible. You test out of the tap and it tastes like metal. And then you get it out of the filter, pure, clean. You start filtering what you watch and what you hear, and all of a sudden, you feel better. Be teachable. Go back to Matthew 7. I'm trying to finish this. Matthew chapter 7. Show you something here in verse 28. Matthew 7, 28 says this. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes be teachable they're sitting there and jesus is teaching they're going i got it i got it and he spoke so clear and it was he was he was so much authority it wasn't waffling like the scribes be teachable just because i'm skeptical doesn't mean that i know it all and that i don't need to stay testing and checking what I'm believing. I read everything, but I judge it all by the Bible. I have books on biology and evolution and space and science and cosmology. I have books on, on all kinds of different things, but none of them has a control of what I believe except this one book. That's how it works. Be teachable. And then make up your own mind. Romans 14, we're finishing Matthew, Romans 14. Romans 14. This generation can't stand it when someone thinks for themselves. Romans 14. Romans 14 and verse 5. 14, 5 says, one man esteemeth one day above another. Okay, somebody says, Oh, Tuesday's an awesome day of the Lord. Amen. Another esteem it every day alike. Oh, every day is awesome of the Lord. Good. Let every man be, what's the next two words? Fully persuaded in his own mind. Listen, folks, you don't have to have my mind. If there's any mind you need, it's the mind of Christ. But make up your own mind and be fully persuaded. Be convinced 
by evidence, not by feelings or emotions or popularity. You don't have to be absolutely correct. Nobody is absolutely correct. Boy, I ought to be able to come to you and the things that are important, you ought to be able to say, I know what I know. I mean, 150 times in the Bible, it says, we know. We don't just believe, we know. These things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. So make up your mind, study for yourself, find the evidence, check things out. Do you realize the scientific method that everybody's talking about, follow the science, follow the science. They're not even being honest because that thing called the scientific method was created by Christians who came to the Bible and learned how to test everything and test it again and test it again. And that's how we got the scientific method. That's how we got most everything now except the vaccine. Everything was always tested. Now we just give in. So let me just focus on a couple of things here. In summary, when your heart says, I don't feel saved, I just don't feel close to God, you need to open your Bible and I'll let God tell you. Go to 1 John 5, 13. 1 John 5, 13. One of the most precious scriptures in the Bible for the Christian. 1 John 5, 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. Not feel it. Say, well, I don't feel it. Do you know it? Do you feel married or the lead better? No, but I know it. <laughs> Amen? No, I do feel it. But you understand when your feelings change, there's a fact that stays the same. Uh, quit questioning what God has settled is a good term. Um, when the world says, show off your body and act like animals to get all the attention, you need to go to in your Bible. I don't go there. We don't have time. First Timothy 2, 9 says, in like manner also, women should adorn themselves in modest apparel. With shame face into sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly way, but which becometh woman prof women professing godliness with good works. Make your life something that is doing, not just all the outward appearance. When the world says to dress down and, and look the part of, a, of, of getting attention, the Bible believer goes and says, I'm going to go by the book. When your friends say sex is fun and drunk, drugs and drinking is cool, 1 Corinthians 3 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, there goes the everything's going on in the world, him shall God destroy. <whistles> Next time uh, this world starts putting that pressure on, well, I, I got my dad old fashioned, I'm just going to wear what I want because I want people to look at me. The Bible says, Don't you realize if you're saved, your body belongs to him, not to them. You got to get a Bible verse that counteracts the pull of the world and the pull of your heart. When your past comes along and says, you can't live it, you'll always fail. We read it last time, 2 Corinthians 12 says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, in my failures, in my times that I just fail. Amen. Let the power of Christ be rest on me. You need to have some scriptures, strong scriptures like 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 that can go straight into the face of your past and says, I'm okay. He'll make up for all of my failures. When your heart is overwhelmed 
by depression and discouragement. Go to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. Middle of your Bible. Psalm 61 and verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. He's talking to God. When my heart is, what a good modern word that is. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When your heart is overwhelmed, spend time with Jesus. Go to the Lord in prayer. You say, I don't feel anything. Pray anyway. Because the Holy Spirit's training, uh, translating all of those groanings. All of that frustration, all of that confusion, he's translating it, Lord, this is what he needs. This is what he's asking for. When you feel backslidden, and again, when you feel a failure living the Christian life, remember 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You say, I failed. I failed again. Brother Ledbetter, you don't know how many times I fall. It doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all from sin. Get up and let's go further now. Amen. First John 1, 7 is a priceless. When your mind is stressed out and anxious, Isaiah 26, 3 says, thou will keep him, not me. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, anchored, locked on to thee. And then as we come into these, have you noticed, has anybody else noticed October's been kind of dark. It's kind of weird up and down. Things, spiritual waves going on. Let me tell you this. When you're afraid, remember 2 Timothy 1, 7, God had not given us the spirit of fear, but he gave us three things to counteract that fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. Isn't the Bible good? And that's just a few of the things. When my heart says, God says. When the world says, God says. When the YouTube says... <laughs> And that televangelist says, God says. Stand with me. Let's bow in prayer. One of these days, the devil is, who's deceived everybody through all time is going to be cast in the lake of fire. Hallelujah. But until that day, we're going to have to man up. We're going to have to stiffen up and get to the place where we're not deceived. We may be confused, but we're not deceived. So, Father, I bow before you, God, asking you that we take it serious. That You gave us a Bible so that we'd, we'd have a measure. We'd have a, a mark that is true. So we can balance everything else out and go, is it right or not? Thy word is truth. And I don't just believe it because it says Bible on it. I believe because I've tested it. I've researched it. I, I've, I've fallen in love with it. What I tried myself to disprove is true. So, Lord, now that I know your Bible's true, now I need to test everything else, even my own feelings, the things that come into my head, things that come through my ears, things that come through my eyes. God, I pray that I'm able to judge and make righteous judgment. Lord, thank you for, for giving us your word. Thank you for this morning. If there's somebody in this room who knows that they know that they're lost, They've never, they've never understood the gospel. They thought they could just go through life and just try to be the best person and find their way in heaven, into heaven. I pray they realize they've believed a lie. Jesus said, you've built your life upon sin. You need to believe, build your life on my words. 
and your and your house will stand your life will stand the storm is going to come feelings will fluctuate but your life can be built upon jesus christ and last forever i would just ask you to cry out to him this morning ask him to save you i did 41 years ago never regretted it it's impossible to regret such a great gift and dear christian would you trust this book it's there to give you the wherewithal to know even the feelings where you just want to, even the feelings where you just, you just want to go off and do something else and you go, no, no, no. I want to believe God. I pray this in Jesus' name. We're going to sing.